0: scriptures tonight, but you can turn to John's Gospel. You might be able to say that lost people, whether they thought about it or not, have a purpose for their life, but they design it. Christians, the big difference is we God designs our purpose. So I've read a ton of literature on finding your own purpose, discovering your purpose. And in some ways, I think Christians do find and discover it, but not in the same way, because the world means by it that you find it, discover it, mean you decide. You design it. You fix it. You put it together. You're the author of your own story, if I could say it that way. But not so with us as Christians. God designs our purpose. We get our purpose from him. Can you imagine going through your entire life maybe even a lot of your Christian life, and not even know why you exist? What's the real purpose that why you're here? How would you know if you've done what you should have done in your life if you don't know your purpose? I read a book by the name, an uh, author by the name of John Lohr. He wrote a book called The Power of Story. It's obviously primarily a secular o- uh, audience that he's writing to. But he says he does seminars to find, help people find their purpose And he tells an illustration, and I want to share it to you. He says, the building incorporation in which he runs has two towers. They're each 175 feet tall. And in his seminars with 100 people, he always begins with this kind of offer. He says, if you would be willing to walk across the distance between those two towers at the top, which is 36 feet, only 12 yards If you would be willing to walk across on a board, and then I will give you $5 million. And he says, usually out of 100 people, less than a handful, maybe three, four people will raise their hand. And then he goes on, he says, well, for those three or four who raised your hand, let me give you a little bit more detail about that $5 million that you're asking to do. He says, the board in which you'll walk across between those 175 foot tall towers is only 12 inches wide. And he says, it's been known that between the two towers, because of their height, that the winds can be boisterous, in fact, sometimes severe. And so based on the size of the board and the wind that blows, your chances of making it across would be about 80%. So he says, based on that information for $5 million, he says, in fact, knowing that information, I'll go from $5 million to $50 million. It goes down to one or two people. Um, Once they find out that they might have a big chance of not making it. And then he says, in his illustration, he goes like this. And then I change it one more time. He says, I will give you... If you walk across that, here's the deal. Your family is on the other side of the other tower on the top of the building. If you walk across that and get to the other side, nothing harmful will happen to your family. If you don't, they will die. He says, guess how many people raised their hand then? All of them. He says, All of them in every single seminar he's ever done. And you know what his point is? It depends on how great your purpose is to what you're willing to sacrifice. How you're willing to live it out. What you would do. He says the purpose of 5 million dollars, gaining 5 million dollars, and it might risk your life, a lot of people are not interested. 50 million, when you know the details of how scary it is, Almost no one is. But when you put your family at stake, almost every single person is willing to cross the towers on those conditions. Why? Because the greater the purpose. It matters most to them. <laughs> he says it's incredible. Nietzsche, even though he's agnostic, or atheist I should say, said this. He who has a why to live can bear with almost any How, in other words, if you have a purpose in your life and you know why you exist, you can bear with almost any how about how you're going to live out that purpose. See, saving your family on the other tower is not the purpose of your life, but it is a purpose of your life. So, you'd be willing to sacrifice a lot. But it's not the purpose of your life. But the greater your purpose, the more it changes you and the more that you're willing to risk. And I read an illustration, or I should say a statistic, that a large percentage of women, uh, especially young women, who when they find out they're pregnant, even though they may be chain smokers, meaning two plus packs a day, the very day they find out that they are pregnant, stop smoking Completely, immediately. They will stop no more cigarettes the entire time that they are pregnant. Within two months of the baby being born, they pick up cigarettes and go right back to it. And you say, what in the world is that? Because, and and, and I read stories this week. And they said this. Their friends for years have told them, you got to stop sm- smoking. Their parents told them, you got to stop smoking. Coworkers, you've got to stop smoking. And they gave them all the reasons. It's bad for your health. You could get cancer. This could happen to you. And it costs so much money. And blah, blah, blah. And they told them all these things. But see, none of it was as great of a purpose as knowing you had a live child inside of you. When they got that purpose... They could stop right away. But once that purpose was gone, they went right back to it. See, the purpose that you have makes all the difference in your life. Everyone here tonight, in this world, in fact, everyone has a purpose. And the purpose is the center of your story. Without purpose, your life, our life, has no meaning, no coherence, no direction. No momentum. Without purpose, there's no organizing principle. But with purpose, people are willing to sacrifice. They're willing to risk. They're willing to attempt extraordinary things that they might not have ever done before. Dan McAdams wrote a book called The Redemptive Self, stories that Americans live by. And in it, he said this, I know what to do every day But do I really know where I'm going and why I'm doing it? You know, it can be true of our world. A lot of people get up every day, and they get up, and they go through the routine, and they get up, and they go to work, and they come home, and they have this, and they take their kids to that, and they do a lot of things. And you know what? It can be true of Christians, too. Maybe you have that kind of a, this is what you do every day. You know you do all these things, but why do you do them? Do you know really where you're going and what's happening, what really matters most in your life? See, we need purpose. An executive, I read his story, he said this, see if this isn't you in principle. When asked, he was the CEO of a company making tens of millions of dollars. They asked him, what was most important in your life? What was your purpose? He said, my son Noah is the most important part of my life. Yet he was asked another question, and it said, If you continue on the path that you are on, where will your family end up? Five, meaning it's exactly where I want to be, or a one, you'd be in serious trouble. You know what he said? I'd be fortunate to be a one. Now, how is it possible? He said, the greatest part, the most important, the purpose of my life is my son, but yet there was nothing going on, almost nothing that supported the view that that was his purpose in his life. Ask yourself today, could you even answer? Did it come right to your mind, what is the purpose of my life? Why do I get up every day? Why do I go through the routine? Why do I do this? Why do I, come? Why do, I, do, why do, I do anything? Do I have a purpose if not... Why not? Does it matter that you don't know why you're here? Does it matter that your purpose does not influence your direction, your goals, how you spend your money, how you use your time? I can tell you this. It's important. You know how I know? One reason is uh, many years ago, Rick Warren, and I wouldn't recommend reading it, but he he wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life. 50 million copies 50 million. That's worldwide. You know what that means? A lot of people care and want to know the purpose and meaning of their life. Purpose is the thing that you will fight for. Purpose is the thing that will keep you up at night and get you up in the morning and you'll do at any cost. If you have a purpose, then you know exactly how to live your life. If you have no purpose, or you have a purpose and you don't live any of it, then your life and story will be a sham. Faulty purpose always ends up in a faulty ending. Most people, hear me, including a lot of God's people, have this going on in their lives. They have a purpose, or they know what their purpose should be, but their life is not aligned with it. You could say, let's take the most vague one, I want to glorify God in everything, but their life would be so far from being aligned with that purpose. Because it's not true. Most things in their life maybe do not glorify God. What we're going to find tonight as we look at Jesus is how to line your purpose up with your life. How what you exist for is what you live for. Is that true? To what degree is it true in your life? Let's look at a few of them because I want you to think of this. I want you to think of your purpose as your story or you could count it as your ultimate mission. Three things, I'm going to give them to you ahead of time in case we don't get there. Number one, your purpose will give direction. Number two, your purpose will give meaning. And number three, your purpose will help shape identity. All right, we're going to look at all three of those. Um, God-given purpose. We're going to look at Jesus, and then we're going to look at Paul. So I want you to turn to Luke. I'm sorry, I told you John earlier, we're going to go to John. But Luke 4:43. And I want to give you these. I'm going to tell you up front and just talk while you're turning. There are phrases that we can't get to tonight, but here's two of them. If you want to find out Jesus' purpose, he tells it positively and negatively. He uses a phrase, I have come into the world. Or he says this, I have not come. I have come or I have not come. And we don't have time to cover all of them tonight. I wish we did, but we don't. We're going to tackle a few of them and hit the highlights. Luke 4.43, toward the beginning of his ministry, he departed to win a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, Number one, purpose gives direction. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent, underline it, for this purpose. I was sent. So, who gave Jesus his purpose? His father did. He was sent. You're going to find when Paul talks about his purpose, He was sent. He did not design his own purpose. Hear me. He did not look at his personality and figure out what it was or the Enneagram or any of that, sorry, stupidity. Right? He didn't look at all that stuff. He didn't look at what his talents were. He didn't see what his abilities were. Not because it's wrong to not know your talents and abilities and want to use them for God. Those are all great things. That is not your purpose. Those are things that you can use to express your purpose. But the purpose is... What Jesus says, to do the will of him who sent me. It's to do God's will, live equal, I think parallel, live God's story out in my life. So Jesus says, you know why I came... I came for this purpose, and that's why I move from this city to this city, and I go to this city and this city, and you'll know that every single move that Jesus makes, and you'll even see Paul. Paul tries to go this way, and he says he couldn't go that way because it wasn't God's will, so he turned around and went somewhere else. Why? Because when you have a purpose, God gives directions. He moves you and leads you. Now, let me tell you, listen. When you have a purpose and it gives you direction, you're following the purpose and then you'll follow the direction. So I tell people, and I don't think he would be upset with me that I told him that said this, Fred Thompson and his family just moved to Texas and he asked me, took me out for lunch and asked me how to figure it out. So I said, here's what you do. You don't buy a house first. You go down there and find out if there's a church that you belong to that you can be in and have good preaching and you can grow and your wife who's newly saved can grow and if your kids are around there that they can come to that you can minister and you can serve and you can have an impact for the kingdom and if you find a church like that then we can start thinking about whether you should really go or not. So he did. So the purpose is not driven by a job that offers more money. It's not by the corporate move that you can make. The purpose is, are you sent? And mission always comes first. Not because you can't move and take a job that makes more money. Not because you can't do Because that's not it. I, I have told my kids, I'm 59. I've been at Faith Baptist Church for 27 years. And I said, I don't know how much longer they're going to tolerate me. So what am I going to do? So someday in my life, I don't know. I may be somewhere else, right? So I tell them all the time, it may be that I will be where you are, but probably not. Why? I would love to live near my children. Of course, who wouldn't, right? But that's not the purpose. I enjoy that, but I don't make moves. I won't make moves based on where my children are. I have to go where the purpose directs. Right? And that's where we go in our lives. Not because other great things can't accompany that, but because it drives. Now for people who don't understand that that because we are so used to following purposeful lives based on how the world sees it. And here's what Jesus says. I go here and I go there and Paul said this is I do and this is I don't do based on the mission. This is where I go. I, and I could give you positive stories about people who move into certain areas that aren't exactly where they would like to be, but they move there. And you know why they move there? Because the mission gives them direction. And they go places that aren't quite as safe, aren't quite as nice, aren't quite as affluent. Why? Because that's where God leads them. Let me put two verses together for you in Jesus' life even more so. And hold your finger in both places. John chapter 12 In verse 27. And hold your finger in John 12, 27. At the same time, John 18, 37. Can you do both? John 12, 27. Not only does purpose give direction, purpose gives meaning. Because Christians sometimes, as they go through God's story... They don't know it well enough so when cancer hits them or marital trouble hits them or financial strain hits them or things that cause depression or anxiety or help us to go down those roads, they're not sure, they don't respond the best way, they don't handle it and part of the reason why is they don't understand the story they're living in nor what the purpose includes. Jesus did. He knew what his purpose was. Therefore, hear me, all of us give meaning and interpretation to every event that comes in our lives. If you're lost, you're going to interpret it as this. Oh, it's awful luck that I got fired. I can't believe. It's terrible. What horrible luck that I got cancer. Or that is just, it must be my destiny. Or they talk about that kind of stuff. We don't talk that way. We talk differently. Why? Listen to Jesus. John Chapter 12 and verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. Listen, troubled. You know why? Because he's contemplating crucifixion and the cross and all that's going to happen. Judas betraying him. His disciples forsaking him. The torture, the the physical, most of all the spiritual things he's going to suffer. Listen, my soul is troubled. So much so it says in one version that he's sweat drops of blood. Hendiatus. Your corpuscles, they're breaking and then blood comes through your sweat. Very few people in history have ever lived through that. And he says, he says, I'm anguished to the point of death in another gospel. That, now, that's how serious it is. Now, listen to what he says. What shall I say? In other words, how am I, how should I respond to this? He says, Father, save me from this hour. In other words, would I say that to God? Would you, you get on your knees, God, save me from... Now, does he say, not my will, but your, Yes. In his physical humanity, it's not easy to swallow that pill. But he says, what am I going to say? Save me... From, no, look, look what it says. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. This is why he came. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark 10, 45. You know why? Because knowing your purpose knew the cross and suffering and all that. went. It went with the purpose. It's part of the story. And listen, if you follow Jesus, your suffering and your difficulty is obviously different in the sense that it's not redemptive, but all of us will go. In fact, Jesus said, and all you who suffer, what? All those who live righteously will suffer persecution. You will. Some form in some way. It's part of our story. To the extent in First Peter that Peter says, don't be surprised. Of the fiery trials that are gonna come your way. Our text in Sunday morning is don't be surprised that the world hates you. Then we you know why he has to tell us? Because we are. Because we don't know the story. We don't understand that suffering and difficulties and trials and loss is part of it. It doesn't mean that it's easy to handle, but it shouldn't, shouldn't surprise us. And Jesus says, What should I say that get me out of this? No, this is part of my story. I know. Why? I I have a purpose. I know what that means. Hold your finger and turn over to 1837. Jesus is standing before Pilate. Now even closer. I mean within hours of the hour. And he says in 1837, Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. Underline it again. For this purpose I was born. And twice, the only time Jesus uses that phrase in a double way, he says, and for this purpose, I have come into the world, as Phyllis said, to bear witness to the truth. Every one of the truth listens to my voice. So he says this, I know why I'm standing in front of Pilate. I know why I'm here. I know why I was born. I know why I ex- Humanly speaking, I came into this world. I know why. I came to die. I know that purpose in my life, therefore, he knew how to interpret Pilate not believing. He knew what it he knew when people spit on him and slapped him and hurt him. He knew when the nails went through. this was his purpose. He faced it differently, and so can you. You can face all the problems and trials and difficulties you face differently. Why? Because you understand the interpretation. You know why they come. You know the story. You know how to live in it because you watched Jesus do it and you're living the same thing in your life. Paul, if I could tell you, I have a lesson on it. It's Jesus is the perfect pattern of the story and Paul is the best imperfect pattern of the story. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. And so if we want an imperfect example of how to follow Jesus as best you can as a sinner, Paul is the man. Let me give you his God-given purpose. And I want you to look how these work. It's, a, it's very similar, if almost identical to Jesus. And that's Acts 26. Acts twenty-six sixteen. But rise and stand on your feet. Now this is, if you know Acts, there are three versions of the Damascus Road conversion. 9, 22, and 26. They all say different things. Okay, let me show you this truth. He says, in this version only, the last one, he says in 26, 16, but rise, Jesus says to him, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you, there it is again, circle it or underline it, For this purpose. Now he's going to give you a string of infinitives to delineate more detail that purpose. To appoint you, there's the first one, T O, to appoint you as a servant and a witness. Jesus came to Pilate. You know what his purpose was? To witness to the truth. What is Paul's? To witness to the truth. The things which you have seen and those which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people. And from the Gentiles to whom, watch, I am sending you. Jesus was sent by his father, right? Paul was sent by Jesus. He didn't ask for that purpose. Let me show you exactly a little bit of what the first time. Turn to 921. This is the first version of his conversion. And you can put them as brackets or opposites of one another. In our text in 26, it was the positive aspect of Paul's purpose. Chapter 9 reveals the negative part of what his purpose was before he met Jesus. Chapter 9, I believe in verse 21, reads, And all who heard him, meaning now that he's saved, he's preaching Jesus. Before he was persecuting Jesus, now he's preaching Jesus in a very short period of time. And it says, And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man? who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name. And has he not come here, look at it, for this purpose? Can, I t- can you look at it in those terms? You know what salvation is? It is a complete transformation of your purpose. So does it matter your purpose? Absolutely. It is a demonstration of your salvation. That before you were saved, you had this as your purpose. And all the ones that we said tonight, happiness, happiness, this, self-fulfillment. See, that used to, you, maybe some of you could look back and say, well, that was me. I wanted that, and that's what I wanted, and I thought that would do it for me. But when Paul gets saved, 22 says, now, now he has a different purpose, a completely different purpose. Every child of God in this room tonight should have a completely different purpose than anyone else in this world Specifically, if you had any type of life before you got saved. Your purpose should be so different in how you get up and how you live your life every single day. Every single day. See, God has given you a purpose. And if you read it, we don't have time tonight, but in Acts 26, after verse 16, he says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to Open the eyes of people that are blind. You're going to help them to be transformed out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of my dear son. You're going to take them out of darkness and move them into light. And Pastor Dave is right. See, your purpose changes this. It changes your understanding of God and what story you're in. Paul used to be in the story, I hate Jesus, I want to kill him. And now his story went from, I love Jesus and I want to tell everybody about him. That's how radical it was. Does your purpose change you? Does it motivate you? Do you get out of bed and say, thank you, Jesus, for giving me purpose, a permanent purpose, an eternal purpose. Does that change and move you inside? Do you ever wonder why? I have read over and over again, and it never stops amazing me, about all the times and all the things and the list that Paul records of all the beatings he took. Shipwrecked and in the deep, and he was flogged and he was beaten with rods and he was in prison, he was left for dead, and on and on and on the list goes. I can't imagine if he truly died in his early 60s. I don't even know how he got from place to place, I don't know how he walked. I mean, can you imagine? How do you keep going? We don't know anything about that. We can't get up every day in our air conditioned houses and drive in our air conditioned cars to our air conditioned job. And we think we have it rough because it's 93 outside. And it stops us from our purpose. Oh, do you know what the, but you know what he did every day? Listen, Jesus knew who he was, because that's what purpose does. It keeps reinforcing. I am the Son of God, and here's why I'm here. Here, you know what he always says? I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he never forgot who he was. Imagine. If our kids had that. Imagine if our kids grew up and they understood that their purpose was not to live out the American dream. If it wasn't to have this scholarship or that, not because you couldn't, but that wasn't their dream. It was a way to express their purpose. It was a way to be used, if, it allow, if God allowed you that, to be used to have that purpose be more manifest and more powerful. But it wasn't the goal. It wasn't the purpose to get this or have this or attain this. How do you deal with Paul's language? All those things I thought I needed to attain, I counted them all for Christ. In fact, his purpose has changed so much that everything he thought his purpose was for, he says, I count them but rubbish. And you know what that word means. That's how purpose changes people. I mean, it's revolutionary when you have a purpose. And you watch Jesus. His purpose said, this is what he said. This is where he went. This is what he did. This is what he didn't do. This is why he had Zacchaeus and went over to his house for lunch. And this is why he stopped by the well Samaritan. This is why he asked people and stood around with people and hang around people that no one else did. Why? Because it was the purpose. It was the story. Have you ever looked at it? You ever looked at Jesus and Paul and say, how do they live their lives every day? Who do they go around with? What do they do? How do they spend their time? What mattered to them? What were their values? Do mine line up with that? Do they? Or you don't want to take any risks. You're never going to go on a mission trip? You're never going to go anywhere where it might be a little bit iffy? Do you think the cross was a little iffy? Do you think going and doing all that Paul did was a little iffy, questionable, might not work? See, whose purpose is driving you? Are you designing it? Are you the one that's in charge of it? Can I tell you this? And don't stop living your purpose because you're 60 or 70 or 80. Do you remember this? Dennis will. Remember when Sam Moth went on his first missions trip? Do you remember how old he was? 78. Yeah, 78 when he decided. And, and we put 79 on the sleeves of our, our shirts. You know why? It was his first missions trip when he was 79 because he got it. He got it. See, that's what, that's what purpose does. It changes your priorities, your values, how you spend your time, how you use your money. Oh, what a difference it would be if we had this and lived it every day and our lives were aligned with it. Oh, what a difference it would make. What if, can you imagine? I start dreaming. What if we had four mission trips a year with 20 people each on it? Oh, wouldn't that be great? What if we had people saying, Pastor Walker, let's do this in the community. Let's go out and reach these people. I'm reading a book right now where they said they started a church up and they didn't have services the whole first year of their church. You know what they did instead? They discipled people to the point where they matured level after one year and then they started having outreaches to the community and they were reaching people who had trouble finding places to live or they had people who needed food and low-income housing. And every event they had when they started their church up publicly, they want, their goal was to have half of everyone who came was lost. Could we have an event that we even know enough people that are lost to make it half? Could we? Oh, but what's our purpose? Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of every nation. That's, do we know our purpose as a church? Do we know it as individuals? Does it shape you? Does it move you? Oh, it, it should. It, it must. It must. And the best way that we can do it is to do it together. Amen? Let's pray.